Building wealth isn't just about hustle and grind. Every day, huge deals are being made, businesses and properties are changing hands, and a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward. If you want to be part of that small group of people, then this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Before we jump into today's show, we have some exciting news to share with you. Our brand new online community platform is now live. Get access to free on-demand in-depth training courses on topics like infinite banking, cryptocurrency, real estate investing, and much more. Just go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com or check the show notes of this episode to find the direct link to request to join the community. Now, on to the show. This is the thing that I think is important and people need to realize that this has happened in U.S. history is during the Great Depression, FDR, he, he took an emergency action and he required Americans to turn in their gold. Jeez. Now, under the, the, <laughs> there was a penalty of prison. Yeah. yeah. Right? This was the government, the, the people's choice just overtly stealing from them, frankly. Yeah, gosh, that doesn't happen today, does it? Um, <laughs> but um, so, and then they would revalue the gold at $35 per ounce. Yeah, right? that's right. But before, if you were a citizen, you could take your gold down. I mean, you could take your money and redeem it for gold. That's right. From that and point on, yeah, you couldn't, and only foreign governments and central banks could do that. And there, there's always a great cover story, right? Like, hey, we need this to fight this war. We need this, right, to to save you. There's always that that. Yeah, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but that's what that's how this was sold to the people, right? And then and then um, Nixon finally put the 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 last. Uh, uh, put it to bed, so to speak. And, and in 1971 took us off the gold standard. And that point, even governments couldn't redeem dollars for gold. Yeah. Well, the thing that I don't want to miss is, you know, we had the Bretton Woods act and that when people talk about the, the U S dollar being the world's reserve currency, it's from Bretton Woods. And, you know, we still, we might be, uh, you know, we might have a stinky currency, but we're the least stinkiest in the world because we are the world's reserve currency. Oil by OPEC rule can only be bought and sold in U.S. dollar. So that's what's helping, you know, any stability that we have right now, at least in my mind, is is rooted in that. And then and then Nixon, what he did, you know, here's the, the funny thing is it was all billed as temporary. You know, yeah. it was sold oh, to the yeah. American public that we'd go off this, we close the gold window, but only temporarily. And this is yeah. where if you if you listen to Robert Kiyosaki, he just goes through the roof talking about this this event in 1971 and when he was in Vietnam and he started realizing, wait a second, there's gonna be a fundamental change in the way the world economy works because of this quote unquote temporary event. Absolutely. And so now we have fiat money, which is backed by what? Yeah, emotion. <laughs> Nothing, right? <laughs> and uh, 
So <laughs> what happened when we got off the gold standard? Well, now we had this little issue called inflation. Yeah, exactly. And and if you know what's happening, you'll know what to do, right? So that's what, uh, when yeah. we think of what happened in 2020 and how much we increased the money supply and how much we're going to increase the money supply in 2021 and all of these things that are happening, I'm just telling you, we have to do something, right? But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. All right, so <laughs> the... There's something else that happened three years later. Yes. What was that? Yeah. So 1974, ERISA was enacted and that, that birthed the IRA. And, and a few, few years later, birthed the 401k. So the, I call, you know, I think about it, it's the birthing of giving up control of your money uh, to other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, the, um, it, and what it did is it saved Wall Street. So if you look at what the government is doing, right? The government's protecting itself, protecting the banks, protecting Wall Street. Where is it protecting the citizen? Where is it protecting the taxpayer? The yeah. taxpayer really is the host, right? Yeah. The parasite of the government lives off the host but it's never protecting, it's consuming the host. Yeah, that's right. Like it's, uh, it's really theft, but it's always done. So remember how we sell, we sell with emotion and then we have to follow with logic and it's always, Hey, we're, we're here to help you. We're serving you. You, you got to do this to help your, your, your brethren. But th if we dig in and apply any logic to it, there's really no logic to it. Right. So if you look at, there, there's a there's a table three increase in market values of individuals financial assets total and by components 1950 to 1985 right yeah but let's just look at one area for for a minute is life insurance um, reserves right this is where people held money and in 1950 19 percent of somebody's net worth or whatever was held in um in 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 life insurance yeah so uh, it, it was a percentage of the total increase in financial assets in 1950 was due 19 percent was due to life insurance reserves right and in 1985 two percent so what was that basically saying people were moving money out of that and tra transitioning and putting money where well we just we just gave you the, the clue. It, it, it's moving to a Wall Street. And if you look at the, the run up of Wall Street, it was because we were transition. People were basically being incentivized to put money there. It wasn't because people thought, hey, that's such a better value. It was it was just sold uh, that. And naturally, if people through IRAs and 401ks and the employer, you know, the, the corporate benefit to having a, a 401k for your employees, well, of course, if you put more money into it, it's going to go up. But it wasn't necessarily because people saw value in it. It was it was just incentivized to the employers. And they got a tax break, a pretty substantial yeah. tax break to do it, right? So think again, who's controlling that play? That's right. And it's, a it's a government program. As we said on a previous episode, all government programs have wound up doing the complete opposite of what they were intended to do. And then he talks a little bit about the uh, briefly about the FTC report 
where, um, and that's the Federal Trade Commission in 1979 that kind of said, hey, whole life insurance isn't a good place to put your money. Yeah. Well, right? Ralph, Nader, Ralph Nader didn't care for the fact that you, you can't see all, all this breakout. It's a bundled thing, right? We've talked yeah. about that before. It's bundled. And so what, what, what came of this? Is universal life. How, how well has universal life worked out? Well, in the last 40 years, it's failed twice. And I would say <laughs> it's failing again because it's not doing what it's projected to do. Yeah, it's just a fancy illustration. It looks good. It's for somebody else, though. It's not for the consumer at the end of the day. Right, right. Exactly. It's Well, it, it puts all the risk on the consumer. And some of these insurance companies said, hey, you know what? Look at Arissa. All uh, some of these um, citizens, they'll they'll take all the risk. They're taking all the risk on the do-it-yourself, defined contribution retirement. So right. why won't they do that with their life insurance? Oh, they will. All we <laughs> got to do is get and give them an incentive and make it look really pretty, right? Yeah. Okay. Jim, if we were if we were starting a life insurance company, would we uh, if we wanted to be profitable, would we sell uh, as the owners? Would we sell universal life or whole life? We would sell universal life because nobody keeps it. We never That's have right. to pay a benefit. That's so, right. So, or we would sell term insurance where less than one percent <laughs> ever pays a benefit because there's only one benefit. That's right. A universal life is term insurance. Invest the difference. Invest the difference in what? High interest rates. Oh, we don't have high interest rates. So that failed in, in the 80s. The stock market. Well, there was a couple of corrections in the stock market that blew up all those policies and their projections. Then, it's, uh, then it was a guaranteed UL. Well, guarantee you have death benefit. Then the insurance companies didn't like the way that looked long-term. <laughs> and then now we have index universal life, right? So we try to make it a little bit more complicated with ceilings and floors and some other stuff to make it just a little, just so you don't quite understand it. So you think, well, that's what the guy's telling me to put it in my, my quote CPA or CFP. And so that's what I'll put it in. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now, let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.